When life bumps up against you, you have the choice to pucker up and put on a sour face or mix it up with ingredients like resilience, persistence, and grace into the delectable concoction only you can serve. We are Greer McVeigh and Whitney Wiley, speakers, authors, and entrepreneurs. We're also sisters, and since we were children, we've made a habit of turning challenges into the lessons and launch paths of our lives. Each week, we'll discuss the recipes that will turn your biggest challenges into the building blocks of the successful and fulfilling life of your dreams. On occasion, we'll include experts and thought leaders who'll join the party and you're always invited to. Join us as we share the sweet highs and sour lows and every drop of life in between. Along with our guests, we help you shake and stir your own lemons into lemon drops. Welcome to the Life, Lemons, and Lemon Drops podcast. Hi, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Life, Lemons, and Lemon Drops. I'm Whitney Wiley. And I'm Greer McVeigh. Hey, Whitney. What's up, world traveler? Oh, my gosh. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> you know, it's weird how traveling, how flying is, is tiring. It's like, I didn't fly the plane. I didn't, <laughs> it was like, I literally sat for hours, but yeah, I'm in New York at the moment did on my you, way overseas. Did you... You said you didn't fly the plane. You obviously didn't flap your wings either. I did not flap my wings. I said you have the luxury of I, downtime I, in a lounge to no. prepare you. <laughs> I, I had none of none of that. I um I did go to a lounge and in uh, Salt Lake City. They have a nice lounge. They do have and, a nice lounge in Salt Lake City. Yeah, and I uh, and I was able to to. You went to your airlines lounge or the American Express lounge. I went to I don't know what lounge it was. I just sort of showed up at a lounge. <laughs> I think it was the Delta lounge. I was flying on Delta. Okay. So I think it was a Delta lounge, but because it was, they do a nice lounge, yes. Uh, but because I'm an, well, I was on Delta and I'm American Express card holder. So I don't know if there was a separate American Express lounge, but anyway, they let me in. No, I believe there, it is the American Express, Delta. They're one and the same. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But I was in there, I only had about, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes. So it was enough time for me to get two cocktails to pour them into a coffee cup, <laughs> take on the plane, and scarf down so, uh, some food real quick in this layover because I had to get back to the gate. So, well, anything is, as far as I'm concerned, any amount of time in a lounge is better than sitting out at the gate. So, I'm just... <laughs> well, I, I, I concur. There had been so much turbulence. Oh my God, when we took off. Uh, when we when we left, I was like, "Oh my God, this this plane is going down." I was like, my knuckles were white, and that's hard. <laughs> my knuckles were white. I was like, "Oh my God, does the pilot the plane was like rattling, and we were shimmying and the rocking and rolling, and and I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" So by the time we got up and you know, in the air, it calmed down. And then as we were descending, you know, and I think because you got all the mountains, I think it's a, like a, a lot of times when you're flying around mountains and you get unstable air and it was another rocking and rolling. We were coming down and and the wings were back and forth. And I was like, oh my gosh. So it was everything I could do to get a cocktail. I was like, I'm, and they're going to, you know, there'll probably be more turbulence taken off. And I can't be waiting until we get 10,000 feet or 30,000 feet in the air. I need to get this thing going because I was so petrified. So anyway, that was that. Was that. And then on my second flight, I sat, I didn't have the seat that I expected. 
so I sat between, I sat in the center seat. Fortunately, between two girls that were skinny, <laughs> at least that was that, right? But I'm almost six feet tall and trying to put me in the center seat is not at all comfortable. And both of them, neither one of them like talked. I mean, they were like, you know, I'm not a chatty Kathy on the plane. I don't need to talk to everybody, but they were almost hostile. It was like, oh, Lord. And then I had to get up and use the bathroom 12 times. Well, <laughs> of course, because you're drinking a thousand cocktails trying to be okay flying. <laughs> it, was, it was like, yeah, anyway, right. I think we should do an episode. Maybe the next episode, I think we should do just about, uh, about travel. Not just about traveling or the travel experience, but about um, why it's important to, you know, to get out of your normal space and shake it up and see the world and see other things. And, and you know, maybe we can do that and broadcast from where I'm going, which I haven't told anybody. I'm all good with doing that. I made a decision. It's funny that you say this, and then we'll get on to the topic for today. But we've got a anniversary coming up. And so I've been trying to figure out what it is we're going to do um, for our anniversary. It's number hey, 10. You're trying to figure out what you're going to do instead of him. Never mind. Let me stay out of grown folks' yeah, business. Yes, you can stay out of it. <laughs> um, because he'll do whatever <laughs> you don't know that you want to do whatever that might be i you know it would be going it, to a home depot do it, it yourself convention he would be happy he would be happy to spend the day at home depot so um and then come home and do chores so i'm not trying to do that anyway it's our 10th anniversary and so wanted to do something not sure what, but I don't really feel like traveling. So here's the interesting thing. Don't really feel like traveling. Um, not interested in getting on an airplane to go anywhere. A lot of it is, I just want to be where I'm going. The process of getting there is I think the older you get, the yes, more it's you just, feel that. It's just the, not fun. Playing was such a highlight when I was twenty. It was like, it I'm was, flying. it was. I packed a week in advance. I was, oh, yeah, yeah. It, you know, so it, the process of getting there is not fun, and so I considered, you know, the islands and maybe going down to Cabo. Uh, some different things. And then I was like, you know, I really don't feel like being bothered with that. And so then I thought, well, maybe we'll do, I didn't want to do a staycation, you know, like a staycation, staycation. So I thought, well, maybe there's a, a compromise that's a road trip to someplace we've never been. Um, and so I'm sort of thinking that, but really where I am in my life is I just want to be there. And so I know teleporting is not a thing. <laughs> not yet. It's not a thing. I don't know. That would road be, trip though doesn't bother me. I'm, I'm good with a road trip. That would be my thing. But then road trips now and gas in California is over $6 a gallon, right? So yes. now I want to take a very long road trip and so how, you know, where is far enough that it's not a staycation, but not so far that it becomes, you know, ridiculously expensive for, for no good reason. Well, have you planned, so have you figured it out? Are you still, because I got some suggestions. I want it. Well, it, so here's the other thing. I'm trying to figure out what it is we'll do. All right. So I've okay. got to find a place that's about something that we want to do in a location that is going to be visually appealing. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. It sounds like you have not yet found the place. Although I do have, have a place, but I'm not gonna share it. Okay, I was gonna say, cause you only have, you know, 
two weeks to well i don't i don't i don't want people there looking for us so i'm not going to share the location well no but that's not that was not where i was going i was oh, asking okay. if you had found a place if, if you yes. had not found a place i was going to make some suggestions for make you make some suggestions say, no we'll take it offline because i want to know just like you just said we want something that's visually appealing we want this that and the other so I, I need to get sort of in your head, figure out what vibe you're going for and that kind of thing. And then I will make, you know, I'll give you three recommendations based on my, you know, extensive knowledge. Okay. And, you know, but I don't think I've ever steered you wrong. I'm, I'm not going to agree with that. So anyway, <laughs> I'm steering people wrong. <laughs> So, yeah, let's segue. So last week, um, at the time of our, our recording, it was a week ago that I saw an article that was posted by a friend and colleague um, about a Washington Post article that was about companies that had or had not withdrawn from doing business with Russia. And I thought as a communications expert that you might have not only some thoughts on companies that would, I think what really caught my eye and what caught the eye of the poster of this article was not so much that companies had or had not made a decision, but that they were not prepared to communicate that decision, one, right? Um, and then the other part of it is making a decision one way or the other. And our, you know, corporate social responsibility, and then stepping back from that, as consumers, our responsibility to be a consumer in light of our particular values. So this is not a show about telling anyone how to think, how to feel, what to buy. That is not the point. Um, I am teaching a course in corporate social, corporate social responsibility right now. It's business law, ethics, and corporate social responsibility. Interesting thing, a couple of weeks ago, one of my students um, made a suggestion that we should add a piece in the course. Well, the course had already been planned out uh, before this term started, but he suggested for future terms, you should include something about, uh, you know, global affairs and, and, you know, he specifically mentioned this Russian Ukraine situation. Um, and I teach at an international university. So everything is not about what's happening in America. It is about what's happening around the world. But where is our responsibility as consumers to support or not support the behaviors, the decisions of companies, global corporations, um, when the actions that they're taking are in conflict with our values. And then this other piece that I wanna talk about, particularly the communication side, because you're, you are a communications professional, is communicating <laughs> our decisions, right? And whether it's a corporate decision or an individual decision, how do we go about communicating that? I think, you know, as consumers, it's relatively easy or, or simple. Maybe it's not necessarily easy because we get to vote with our dollars, right? We get to purchase or not purchase, to, to utilize the, the products or services of a particular company or not. And that's how we can communicate what we're thinking and feeling. And so I'm interested in hearing from you sort of your thoughts on, we can, let's start with the communication piece and then let's wrap it up with the discussion of our role as 
as consumers uh, in, in this equation? Well, you know, there are a lot of elements to this whole situation and none of them are simple. And what might seem simple from the outset is is easily complicated. <laughs> I'll just put it. I'll I'll put it like that. So as an as an organization, um, you know, and and nowadays social responsibility is so much more important, right? There used to be a time that you could just do your business, and that was that. Now, no matter what you do. You know, people are wanting your opinion or your position on something. And you're like, I'm just trying to sell, you know, bagels at the boardwalk. But it's like, well, you're selling bagels at the boardwalk, but, you know, there's a, you've got poppy seed bagels and there's a poppy, you know, the poppy industry is, you know, whatever. So, you know, all of a sudden you're getting sucked into to issues that you might not have that historically have not even been that important. So first of all, you're going to need to have a position on something just to let your employees know, hey, we're aware of this situation and we're aware that it may have some impacts on you. And here's what we're doing about that. So if we just go back to, you know, even with coronavirus, right? we had this problem. Coronavirus wasn't the fault of any business in the country. And in the early days though, you know, businesses and, you know, I was the person doing the communicating, the communications about that. It was like, hey, this virus out there and this, this is virus out there and we need you to be careful and, you know, wash your hands. And I don't even think we were wearing masks initially. It was just sort of wash your hands, social distance, um, and, and, you know, and maybe don't have too many people in a room. That was sort of the initial thing. It was just an acknowledgement, you know, that we're aware of it. We're concerned about it. We're concerned about you. And whether at work or at home, here's some things you can do. And that just shows that you are uh, conscious of what's going on around you, but more importantly, that you're aware that the things going on around you impact your employees. Then once that escalates to like action is required, then you're sort of balancing or teetering on that line between you know, being big brother, right? It's like, you're my boss, you're not my dad. Don't, you know, tell me where I can go and what I can do and can't do. Um, and then of course, and again, in the case of the coronavirus, at a certain point, there was a shutdown, right? It was mandated by the government, you know, in our case, it was by, it was sort of a county by county thing. San Francisco was first to do a shutdown. And then it, uh, with, I think San Francisco announced it first and then several other counties, and then it got bigger. And then it was sort of, you know, statewide. And then it went from there. But then it took on a political nature, right? And so telling people, you know what, you cannot come to work. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what the CDC says or the county health, whatever this is what you do, communicating that. And it was a constant thing. We were in uh, task force, you know, meetings and, you know, all of our different uh, functional areas were meeting and talking. So you've got all the leadership of an organization and you're talking operations, you're talking to human resources, you're talking to, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of what most organizations have, but you've got these different, uh, entities within an organization that have different perspectives, right? Well, how are we going to deliver a service if you need to continue, you know, some services you need to continue, some you can just shut down. 
but even if you're just running, you know, the bagel stand at the at the boardwalk, you know, that's where people go and have lunch every day. Well, if we don't do that, when people get lunch, yeah, they'll probably find somewhere else. Um, you know, but then you've got the whole issue about your employees and your employees need to work. And if they don't work, they don't get paid. So there are all these different considerations that need to be worked through and need to be communicated. And then you have your internal communications and your external communications, right? So you're telling your employees, whatever, presumably you're telling them before you tell the public because you're giving them some forewarning and then you're telling the public. So the order the level of things, especially in a fast moving environment. So the level of information that you give, the changing information, the audiences of that, the recipients of that information changes and you're constantly doing whatever and you're trying to work through them all. Then if you have the added piece of uh, media pressure and social pressure, then it just becomes more complicated. So when we look at this case with Russia and Russia has declared war on Ukraine and they've gone in there and they have you know, done a significant amount of harm. And from what we can tell at the moment, it looks like they are intentionally, intentionally bombing civilian uh, targets versus you know, they're not following the traditional rules of war or the approved rules of war based on the Geneva Convention, right? So they're not in there only like taking out military sites and targeted strikes at military uh, targets. They're, what they seem to be trying to do is to attack the people and get the people to capitulate and give in. So for the rest of the world standing back, and that's all I'm gonna say, well, mostly all I'm gonna say about the, you know, about the political piece of the war. But for the rest of us sort of looking at this aghast and like, oh my gosh, they're really like, I mean, you know, they've got over 3 million refugees now. So people are flooding out of the country of 40 million. And now you've got people homeless. They've taken away the water and the, you know, contaminated the water or cut off water supplies. They've, uh, you know, bombed food facilities so people don't have food to eat, water to drink, uh, the heat, it, you know, it, and it's winter, right? So you've got winter conditions and snow on the ground and all this. So for the rest of us, we're like, by, by continuing to do business in Russia, we are effectively funding the war because their government, Putin, takes what he wants <laughs> out of the out of the country out of the you know he takes what he wants out of the country so because that's what autocrats do so then it's like by doing business there we are basically supporting that those that war effort we are basically supporting the actions of a dictator who would do this? <clears throat> the flip side is, right? And that's where the complication gets when you, when you acknowledge the flip side. So the flip side is, well, it also though takes away from the Russian people. And is, is it the Russian people's fault that they have a madman as president? Then, you know, so you're like, okay, well, what we're going to do is you know, we're, we've made the decision because maybe it's, we need the Russian people to, to get hurt enough in this, at least economically, that they say, you know what, enough is enough, Putin, you must stop. We're not going to uh, support or allow you to do what you're doing. How they do that, I don't know. They take to the streets and they've all, they've been arrested. So, but I mean, so we're in this political quagmire where each action has an equal and opposite reaction. So from a corporate standpoint, the things that you are considering, right? So you look at your list of 400 companies and some have withdrawn completely, some have suspended operations, some have scaled back their operations and some are digging in. 
and you look at why would a company choose to continue? Well, I had a conversation with a, with a person a few days ago who is on Putin's side. And as appalling as that may be to me, there are those who don't see this conflict the same way that I do, in part, I believe, because they are listening to propaganda and falling for it. But if a company pulls back or says, you know, we're going to suspend operations, you there are some people that are like, well, I won't do business with you because you have given in to whatever, the mainstream media's interpretation of what's going on. So there are a lot of things that need to be considered and weighed and um, navigated. <clears throat> so when it comes, so back to just the communications piece, making a decision you know, having whatever those internal conversations are and making a decision um, is obviously the first thing, right? Are we for it? Or are we against it? Are we supporting it? Or are we withdrawing? Are we this? Or are we that? And, and you have those conversations, you make those decisions. The communications piece isn't all that difficult. I mean, yes, you've got to parse words because you want to make sure that you are leaving doors open or that you are... Um, you know, that you're uh, setting yourself up for whatever comes next. You don't want to go further than you need to until you need to go further. I'm of the mind, and I think you're of the mind as well, that we saw this coming. So a lot of this should have been done in advance, right? Some of it... <clears throat> You could just have, as part of your, uh, your internal policies, these are the circumstances, you know, you just have a, 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 almost a checklist right. or a, a, a um, process that you go through with, to determine, especially when you're operating globally, right? And especially if you're operating globally and in countries that have conflict. You should already know under what circumstances you would suspend business operations or get involved or not get involved and all that. You should know that well before there is a conflict. But you think. should already have those things sort of um, get out. out. Yes. yes. You may go in filling some specific details for this, but you should know what it is and have that stuff ready to go. But even if you don't just generically have that mapped out and ready to go, we saw this coming because Putin had been lining up troops for the last, I don't know, three or four months, right? <laughs> I keep hearing, it's like he's got 5,000 troops at the, at the border in um, Belarus. Oh, he's got 10,000. Next thing you know, he had 150,000 troops circling Ukraine. Now, we might not have known, was it all just a show of force and he wasn't going to do anything? I think that's what most people were thinking or hoping. But you got to at least be like, well, if he does, then this is what we're going to do. And, and, you know, I think for our program that... I appreciate you explaining and getting into the detail on that, but I think, you know, for our program, tying this back to our listener will be important before we wrap up. But, you know, as you were talking, what dawned on me, it, yes, you should have thought of that, right? Part of being a global concern is that you are, and that the reason that you pay the people what you pay them to run these companies is not so that you can figure out how much to charge for a bottle of milk, 
right? That, that That's not what CEOs and C-suite people, that's not what they get paid for, making decisions about how much to charge for a particular product. This is the very thing that, you know, these people are, I would think, maybe I'm wrong, are are hired for, to think about these sorts of scenarios and what happens if we are having operations in countries all over the world with all sorts of political ideologies and things that may or may not be in in total alignment with what we purport our values to be, right? And so if you are doing that for whatever your reasons, maybe it's to be an influence there to get them to see things another way. Maybe it's just pure profit. You know, I don't know why you are in certain places. It's usually because of a market and there's a money to be made, but go ahead. You know, it, it may be purely for profit motive, but as a part of that, you have to, I, again, I would think, be given constant thought to, consideration to, having plans to, to be prepared for all sorts of scenarios that pop up and how you are going to respond. So that you would be approached by media and not have a response for something, as you said, that has been percolating for some time. Even if you didn't think it was going to happen, that's no, what they you, have a response. That's they don't what want you to share. It's not that's what you well then then that doesn't make any sense to me. And you can't say no comment or we don't want to tell you right now what we're going to do because- Which is the interesting thing in that, right? And so again, this this show wasn't about, you know, what any of these now 400 companies that are on this list, what they have or have not done, but looking at regard whatever the whatever their values are and whatever decision they've ultimately made it has to be about the equivocation of the two and then how do we extrapolate that as a consumer back to whether we are continuing to be um, purchasers of products or services from these companies and make and making decisions about doing that. And, and you've pointed out some of the challenges, right? If I walk away with my dollars and say, I'm not going to support company XYZ, I can find a company that provides that same product or something similar that has made the decision not to be there because that's in alignment with my values, right? I can do that. But if I do that, how does that have a negative impact on, on the innocent people of the country that you know, are not a part of it? Maybe don't know what's going on or would choose to do something else, but as they are out and protesting, um, or it, if they're lucky, only being jailed. Right. And we keep hearing about them being arrested. I'm thinking if that's all that happens to them, they're really lucky. You know, though, one thing, though, that, that keeps sort of coming back to me is is sort of the cost. Right. Of being socially responsible, not yeah. just for the, the company, but the consumer. Yes. Right. And we are paying more money at the pump. We right. are. We will pay more money for products and supply, you know. But then when you look at the companies that are there, and as I reviewed the list and some of the justifications for staying or going or scaling back, you've got Putin over there saying, if a company leaves, we're going to seize your assets. Mm. So if you've got a plant, a physical plant in Russia, Moscow, or 
Leningrad, wherever it may be, we're going to seize it. And you've and invested hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. Exactly. Yeah. So you've got an infrastructure over there. You've got, you know, physical stuff. You have employees over there. Let's not forget, a lot of times these companies will have American employees or, you know, they have global employees, but in, among their employees in global places are Americans. Yeah. So sometimes you can't just willy-nilly, you know, and I know you're not saying willy-nilly, but sometimes you can't just make an announcement because you're, you've got a team over here working logistically on extracting people from those places. And when I used to work for, you know, in big oil, right? I worked for Exxon and Chevron. So you um, say they may not want to show their hand while they may not want to show their hand background. That, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, so there are all kinds of, you know, reasons. We had people that were in Sri Lanka when we had the big uh, tsunami, you know, when they had the big tsunami a few years back. And, you know, the work that was done to, to locate people, to geolocate them, and then to get them to safety. Um, there's a war going on, and you've got, a, 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 you know, a, a president who, let's just, I'll just say is unpredictable, right? I, I won't put any, I won't put any, you know, value association. It's just he's unpredictable right now. And... Everybody who has ever worked with him is like, this is not the Putin that we recognize. I don't know. Is he crazy? Is he this? Is he that? Whatever. Maybe, maybe not. But right now he's unpredictable. So if you've got, and maybe it's just 200 people, maybe it's 2000 people, you know, working at, you know, oil derricks or working in a, you know, in factories or whatever it is that they may be doing, you've got to communicate gingerly. Right, you've got to deal with this stuff in a way that takes multiple things into account, not just, you know, the consumer isn't your only again, right? And you're putting stuff out there to communicate one thing so that you can get a, so that you can elicit a particular reaction or response or something while you're doing something else, right? So there are there are a lot of things. But at the end of the day, you're right for us as individuals, and it reminds me of apartheid South Africa, right? Where you have this big movement globally, but certainly in the United States where people are like, we are not going to, we do not want to support this, the apartheid government. And there was a strong push, not only for companies to get out of there, but also for all investment to cease, right? So even companies that had, uh, you know, you may have, uh, you know, your 401k may have all these investments in various kinds of things, but those things had their origins in South Africa. And it was like, we don't want anything to do with that. We don't want, even if you're doing R&D in biomedical whatever, we want to pull that out. We don't want anything to, to support that. So it is complicated, but we as consumers certainly have the ability to say, you know, I personally am like, you know, I would like for the United States to stop uh, accepting Russian oil, which they did, which only accounts for like 3% of our petroleum use or whatever. So it wasn't even like it was, it was really more symbolic knowing that I may end up having to pay a dollar more a gallon at the pump, right? For some people that a dollar, you know, they already are stressed. Well, for me too, I'm already stressed. I can't afford another dollar, but I also can't afford my conscience to weigh on me knowing, you know, all the death and destruction that's caused by not doing it. Right. And as a leader, as a global leader, when the United States does something, other countries will follow suit, which is exactly what happened. So it's like, yes, so using our, you know, basically putting our in our money on the line, our money where our mouth is, right? right? And saying, this is what I believe in ethically and morally, and these are my values. 
And I don't, I don't want to be a part of any of this. And in order to not be a part of that or not have my money go to that, you know, here's a list of companies. And I don't ordinarily boycott companies. I'm, I'm not, because if we boycotted everything, you, you know, we'd get nothing. <laughs> you know, we'd go back to, you know, planting. Well, you, know, you gotta have, you would definitely have, the farmer's have, market only. have a farm and do it yourself. So Exactly. But, which yeah, is so not, which is not, a bad way to Which go. Which is probably where we all should be. It's like, go back to, get back to basics and local, shop local. And, you know, I, and, there is you're definitely right, right? that. It's like, there is probably nothing. If I were to do an inventory of what I, the products I have and use, there's probably no reason whatsoever for me to do anything in my life, you know, outside of travel, but in terms of the products and things that I use, there's probably no reason whatsoever for me to have to go beyond, you know, my local store. Yes, for you to store. purchase any, for you to purchase something moving forward. But if you look around, probably everything that you have, or Correct. the majority has come from somewhere else that has had, um, all sorts of issues attached to it from, you know, shoes that are made in factories and countries, you know, around yep. the world where there's, you know, human rights violations, you know, that very little of what we have uh, now. There was a time. have all my shoes made by some Italian cobbler, some handmade you know, you want to support parents tried to do that. Maybe not Italian cobblers, but cobblers in Berkeley, right? Yeah. Back in the day, they were very much, um, and they were ahead of their time in a lot of this. Yeah. But it, it, it's, we do have to stop and think, I believe, uh, about our values, what is important to us, weighing the pros and cons of all of those decisions, just as the country has to do that, that, you know, our federal government, corporates, uh, corporate uh, CEOs and their leadership teams, we have to do the same thing on our level for our families uh, and for ourselves, looking at what any of this means, not just the situation between Russia and Ukraine, but things that are happening in other countries. Um that are not being highlighted in the news. And that we do have, I believe as global citizens, a responsibility to take the time to do some research. And I, you know, I will admit that until I started teaching this course on uh, corporate social responsibility, I wasn't really thinking about a lot of that. Um, I had been in recent years focused on making decisions about health. And so you mentioned farmers markets and trying to purchase things that are grown locally rather than who, who knows where, right? Being conscious about that. But then recognizing there are times of the year you go into a store and you can't get something that's not grown locally. But what that says is then that's not something that you should be eating this time of the year. Right. And so in, you know, this, the stores that I, I shop in, they actually tell you the origin of the food. So it's, it, it is possible to get the information. It does require some fortitude on your part to make the decision and then, um, and it may cost a little more and it may cost a little, it may be inconvenient. I think that, I think that's the biggest part. But that's where values come in. It's like, that's okay, so then exactly. you know, does it mean something to you or not? Exactly. And it's not about getting on social media and chastising other people about their choices, but it's about you making a choice and standing with it, being inconvenienced, being willing to pay the price that goes along with the values that you're purporting and not just being someone who's attacking. So, um, 
let me just, I want to just add one last little point. And this is, this situation is why it is so important for people to be aware of what's going on around them. And I have so many people, because I do do my political uh, show, which I, is going to start back up imminently, because um, <clears throat> I've taken a little hiatus. But people are like, you know, oh my God, this is so boring and I'm tired of hearing about it and okay, I get it and blah, 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 you know, whatever. But I'm, I'm amazed at the number of people who really don't know what's going on. And ultimately it translates, all of it is important to us on a daily basis. We may not understand or get it in the short run, you know, but that something is going on clear across on the other side of the earth is impacting the price we're paying for gas. It's impacting our job stability. It certainly impacted our, you know, the whole coronavirus situation, right? From something that presumably started in a lab or, you know, in a wet market or whatever on the other side of the world. We really need to understand how our actions impact the world, you know, what we buy, what we yes. consume, what we do, who's, where did that come from and who's making it and who's, what little, you know, five-year-old hands in a factory are putting together this little whatever. But we also need to understand how what's going on over there impacts us and stop just lashing out at the, the uh, convenient foil, right? And it's like, oh, it's Biden's fault, or it's Trump's fault, or it's this person's fault. All of it is a part of a bigger uh, collection. Yeah, it's all, everything's network. interconnected. Yes. It's yes. all interconnected, and it all comes back. And if you choose to not know what is going on in the world, things will happen in your life, and you'll be like, well, where'd that come from? Other people saw it coming. And I, that's my recommendation to people is just know what is coming and make so that you can make conscious decisions that work for you and your family. You know, I like that sort of as our parting thought is the importance of being informed and taking the time to understand not just your own, and I'm going to say this, uh, this is judgmental in nature, but your own narrow worldview, right? And expand that. Be empathetic in that and try to see it from another's point of view, it, including the point of view of the, the place of origin from which these global situations are happening, right? Um, not just the opposition in America, but looking at the situation from boots on the ground and other places. And we have enough access that we can do that. It does require us to step out of our own, you know, little box I certainly am guilty of this at times of, you know, I live, I live a life of great privilege. Um, and is it the most privileged life? No, but I have a life of privilege and comfort. I live in a place, I live in a country, I live in a state, I live in a city in the state, in the country, in the world that is pretty safe. Right. And I am grateful for that. Um, but I am also a global citizen and understanding how all of this ties together is vitally important. And I do have some ability to make an impact, whether it's with my dollars or my words or my vote. And your dollars or your cents. <laughs> and so I would encourage you to do the same, to, to look at your life, to look at the privilege of your life 
and to see how you can step out of your comfort zone um, and be someone who can be of influence and impact for what's going on, challenging your thoughts and beliefs. You can hold on to them in the end, but at least challenge them and see if there is something that you can do to make this world a better place, you know, make this world a better place, not, not in a trite way, but make this world a better place and spewing on social media is not the answer. So, all right. Well, with that, we want to thank you for joining us. Greer is going to continue her worldwide adventure. We look forward to hearing about it more in a future episode. And um, safe travels, Greer. And look forward to talking about it, hearing about it in a future episode. So again, thank you for joining us. If you have not done so, we invite you to rate and review if you've got a topic that you would like for us to cover in a future episode please drop us a line at or a voice message at anchor.fm slash life lemons lemon drops and until next time take care thanks for joining us for life lemons and lemon drops If you like our show, please share with your friends. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever platform you listen to this podcast. Your questions, comments, and feedback are welcome. You can find out more about us at lifelemonslemondrops.com. 